Well, good morning. I tried just to wave at folks. I've got a little cold, and so uh, if I miss shaking hands with you, here we go. All right, not everybody. There we go. I uh, also want to thank the uh, fellowship committee, and you know, uh, I heard this years ago that a class, if you have a teacher or a church with a pastor takes on the personality of the pastor, the teacher. So anyway, I don't know what that says about the entertainment. And, uh, <laughs> someone said, we're just like you, Richard. We let our hair down. So uh, that is wonderful. Isn't it great to be able to have a good time? And uh, I had to uh, slip out early on Friday and go to a uh, funeral home visitation. Did anybody record Friday? Anybody record? Oh, I tell you. What? Heaven's no. <laughs> Sue said, Heaven's no, we didn't record. Well, okay. Is that right? Okay, well, I, I want to hear it sometime, all right? Next, there we go. Next time we're going to video. We'll get Aaron Davis and April over there. They can do some nice video. Well, thank you for celebrating my 39th birthday. I'm uh, so excited to uh, be able to have another year. I, uh, I tell you, just love uh, you guys so much. Such a joy every Sunday to be in here. A lot of places you can go in churches and there's not life and excitement. That's not true. Uh, there is tremendous life and excitement. So today, if you got your Bible, I know you're going to pray for me, and I'm going to do my best today. First Peter chapter two. First Peter chapter two. I know there have been times in your life when you've looked around and you felt eyes on your back. Somebody's staring at you. Someone's watching you. And, uh, you know, I, I saw a movie one time where someone walked out of the restroom and people were staring at him. The reason why he had the roll of toilet paper on his, on his shoe. And that, that would be embarrassing. But there are always people watching us. I heard the story about the preacher who was out building a fence. And the preacher was out building a fence and... He had some big old nails and he was driving those nails in the board building this fence. It's a little seven-year-old boy staring at him while he's working. And so finally, after a while, it seemed like the boy was standing there forever. The preacher looked at the seven-year-old boy and said, Son, can I help you? The little, little boy said, No, I'm just going to stand here for a while. The preacher said, Why are you standing there staring at me? And the little boy said, well, I just want to hear what the preacher says when he hits his thumb with that big old hand. <laughs> yeah, you got to be careful, don't you? Folks are watching. Well, Simon Peter talks to those who are dispersed, the scattered flock, and says that there are people watching us all the time. So I want to read the whole text here as we begin 
Uh, actually, just verses 13 through 17. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as a one in authority, or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God, that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Act as free men, and do not use your freedom as a covering for sin, but use it as bond slaves of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the King. Now as we look at just those verses, and that's really the focal, we find that many, many times you and I are to submit even when we don't want to. Freedom is a wonderful thing. But we are not free to do whatever we want. Uh, we do have freedom in Christ. But freedom in Christ is tempered by our submission to the Word of God and to those in authority over us. In the original sin, Adam and Eve wanted freedom without responsibility. In the original sin, Adam and Eve did not want to submit to God's lordship over their life. And I think the world out there is watching you and I to see how that we react in a world that is hostile to the gospel, that is hostile to the things of God. How do we live in a world that is so anti-God and live for the Lord. Now, Peter, talking to his readers, uses this word in verse 13, the word submit. Interesting word. It's a Greek word. The Greek word is hupotasso. And that Greek word means to align yourselves under authority. Uh, for instance, in a marriage, the wife is called to... Oh, there it is. Submit. Now, you know, the wife is not called to be a slave. She's not called to be a servant. She's called to submit. Any wife loves to submit to a husband who loves his wife as Christ loved the church. And if you've got that sacrificial love for your wife, she will gladly say, Honey, I gladly submit to you. Because there is that love relationship. Now, in the original sin, Eve was willing to submit to Adam. But guess what? Adam did not protect his wife as he should have because Adam should have said, hey baby, stay away from that tree. And he didn't do that. By the way, we don't know what the fruit was on the tree. It could have been strawberries. I know what you're thinking. 
strawberries don't grow on the tree. Well, they did before they got cursed, all right? <laughs> so I got it all worked out, man. Whatever the fruit was, God brought a curse on them and the issue was submission. And so, brings us back to 1 Peter that there has got to be submission in our life because somebody is always looking at us. Alright, three things I'm going to share with you today. Alright, number one. Why should we submit? Well, first of all, for the sake of the lost. The sake of the lost. There are lost and dying people around us. And they will go to a Christless grave if they are not saved by the Gospel. Yesterday I stood before about 200 people and at Charlotte Schuler's funeral and I told that crowd, I said, Jesus said He went to prepare a place for people that practice Verse 6 in John 14, that He is the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father but through Him. You see, the world out there believes there are many ways. There's just one way. The world out there believes that if you're good enough, God's going to let you in the door. But you and I know you can't be good enough you can't be holy enough. You can't be righteous enough. You've got to have the Lamb of God, His blood covering your sin. That's the only way. Now, the world out there somehow believes, okay, Christians are to be, here's the word, perfect. You ever heard someone say, well, I thought they were a Christian. Well, why in the world did they get angry? I thought they were a child of God. The world needs to understand Christians aren't perfect. They're forgiven. Christians are still wrestling with this war between the flesh and the Spirit. But the world needs to understand my righteousness is not due to me, but due to Christ. Now, look at verse 11 and 12. We didn't read that earlier. 11 and 12. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles. You might use the word lost there. So that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may because of your good deeds as they observe them glorify God in the day of visitation. Now, God's dearly beloved children is who Peter is writing to. And Peter is saying to those who have believed here in verse 11. He's talking to those who are aliens and strangers in this world. And I would just 
throw this point in. Don't get too at home down here. If you get too friendly with the world down here, you won't be ready for heaven when you get up there. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6, Paul talked about you and I being in the Beloved. In the Beloved. Now, Peter here in verse 11 says we are strangers and aliens. Just like the patriarchs like Abraham journeyed through the land not finding his home, our eternal home is always in heaven. That's why Paul one time said that death is to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. Now, you also find in verse number 11 this spiritual battle. Paul calls it uh, a struggle in Romans. Peter says here in verse 11, there is something waging war against the soul. Now I don't know what it is, but every single person here today, you've got one particular sin that the devil knows that's your issue. Everybody has something that you struggle with in your life. It may be anger. It may be lust. It may be lying. There's something in your life. I had an evangelist one time come and preach revival. His name was Jerry Don Abernathy. No, Jerry Don told this story. He said, he said when I was a kid, he said, I ran across the field and we uh, stole some watermelons. And then we got in this pond and we floated those watermelons out there and we grabbed those things and floated across the pond and, and said, we just ate and ate and ate those watermelons. And, and you know, God just convicted me and God gave me a tummy ache because I ate all that watermelon. Jerry Don was saying that's what sin is. This guy he was talking to said, does peaches count too? <laughs> yeah, we've all been there, haven't we? It might have been watermelons. It might have been peaches. It might have been lying. It might have been stealing. It, it was something in your life. But we all have something that, that we deal with. And that's what Peter's talking about, that wage war in the soul. Dwight L. Moody, the great evangelist, one time said, I have more trouble with D.L. Moody than anybody in the world. That's right. Well, I have a hard time keeping Richard straight. I know that's true. Pam, you don't have to amen that, all right? <laughs> well, verse number 12. Look at that real quick. Verse 12 says that we ought to... Um, have an excellent life or behavior before the Gentiles. And that, that word Gentiles there in verse number 12 could really just mean the lost people that are watching you and I. I was uh, thinking about Matthew chapter 5 verse 16 that says, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And sometimes you and I have a way that we think we can cheat 
and no one will find out. I uh, had my best friend from high school here last week and Steve Wilson came to visit and we were talking about old times. You know, it's rare to have a friend that you've had for 40 years. But uh, Steve and I were talking about one time we had a car race. And uh, Steve had this 1968 Camaro with a 327 in it. Fast car. Had one of these Holly four-barrel carburetors on it. Man, that thing would run. I had my first car, a 1954 Chevrolet with a V6 and a Power Glide transmission. Anybody remember a Power Glide transmission shifted one time? Here's the way it sounded. Y'all remember it? That was it. Power Glide transmission. So I told Steve, I said, I'll race you. But you got to give me a head start. So we were doing a quarter mile. So I got about three car lengths ahead, and we both started at the same time. And so I got in the middle of the road and went laying past me. <laughs> he said, you cheated. I said, I certainly did. <laughs> you know, sometimes you can cheat and think you might get by with it. But the answer is you can't. And so, for the sake of those who are lost, let me tell you, lost people, they are always looking at your life. They are always examining, do you live according to what a Christian ought to be? And so we need to submit for that reason. Alright, number two. Also, we need to submit to authority for the Lord's sake. For the sake of the Lord. And that's verses 13 through 17. And notice in verse 13, I've got this in brackets in my Bible. For the Lord's sake. We are to advertise God's virtues. Now I want you to look back at, uh, or look here at 1 Peter chapter 2. Look back at verse number 9. Verse 9. And notice here in chapter 2, verse 9, Peter says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And then it says, a people for God's own possession. Now, because of all of that, according to verse number 9, we are to proclaim the excellencies of God. We're to brag on the Lord. I was uh, taken back as I was thinking about how many times you and I have an opportunity to be a billboard, to be an advertisement for the Lord. You know, this, this is really not competition. But have you seen the commercials on TV for Shannon? 
you know, they're pretty good. And I, as I watch those advertisements for Shandon's, and as I, as I drive down the road and see different advertisements for churches, I think to myself, we are all to be a billboard. We're all to be an advertisement for what God can do in our lives. Now, Peter here, talking about doing this for the Lord's sake, in 13 through 17, talks about in verse 15 that we can silence the ignorance of foolish men. Remember this. Any argument is at the mercy of a person with a testimony. Let me say that again. Any argument is at the mercy of a person with a testimony. You can argue with me all you want to about the infallibility of God's Word, the virgin birth, on and on. But you cannot deny that Christ has changed my life. That's my testimony. Any argument falls down flat when it comes up against a testimony. Alright, got to move on. Third and last. Third and last, why should we live submissive lives? The answer is for our own sake. For our own sake. And that's really verses 18 through 25. Let me read uh, 18 through 20 real quick here. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. For this finds favor, if for the sake of conscience toward God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. For what credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience, but if when you do what is right and suffer, for it patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. Now, as you look at those verses right there, Peter deals with an issue. It's a first century issue. It's the issue of slavery. And what Peter is saying here, he's saying to those who are Christian slaves, He's not talking to slaves that are lost. But he's saying, if you are a Christian slave, you ought to be the best, the holiest, the most righteous person in that household that you can be. Now here's the parallel. If you are working for an employer... You ought to be the best. You ought to be the holiest. You ought to be the hardest working employee in that place. And that's the parallel I think that you can get from this. It is true that slavery was widespread in the Roman Empire. Whenever Rome would go in and capture a territory, they always took slaves. And so it's a very real issue. What is a slave to do? Peter says, submit 
and be the best possible Christian in that environment. How many here today have a job and you really don't look forward to going to work on Monday? How many here today have retired from a place <laughs> that boy, when you retired, you went out singing the Hallelujah Chorus. You just couldn't wait to get out of there. In jobs like that, you still need to be the very best employee that you can be. I remember years ago when I had that job for that summer at Fred Jones there in Oklahoma City, bringing those engine blocks up on the assembly line. The place where they called me Hollywood at. I, uh, I was one day kind of piddling around the end of the day trying to kill some time. Actually, I was trying to kill the employ employer's time. So I'm standing there in this position. Boss man came by. He said, what are you doing? I said, well, I've got all my work done. I'm just waiting for time to clock out. He said, I've got news for you. He said, those five minutes we're paying you for, find something to do. So I did. I found a broom and I started sweeping up around. You know what? He was exactly right. I was stealing time from the employer. He paid me for that time. I mean, they weren't giving me a check. And so I was to work all the hours, minutes, until the clock went off. That's a message here from Peter. That we need to be the best employee that we can be. Now, verses 21 through 23. He is our example in life. Let's just read this. Verse 21. Reading through 23. For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow, now listen to these three words, in His steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in His mouth. And while being reviled, He did not revile in return. While suffering, He uttered no threats, but kept entrusting Himself to Him who judges righteously. Whenever you and I have trouble, have difficulty submitting to authority, look at Christ. Look at the cross. Look at His trial. Look at the scourging. That's what Peter is saying, that Jesus is our example. Now, we also see though, in verses 24, verse 24, that He is our substitute in death. Verse 24, And He Himself bore our sins in His body on the cross, so that we might die to sin, and live to righteousness, for, for by His wounds you were healed. Psalm 103, verse 3 says this, Who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. 
In other words, the spiritual sickness of sin. Look at verse 25. Verse 25, it says that the Lord is our watchful shepherd in heaven. For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. When you and I live submissive lives, we've got the Lord in heaven who is our shepherd, who is our guardian. And even though there are times that we submit to things, submit to people that are evil, we have someone in heaven who is watching over us. Now, I cannot leave the passage without talking about the election. It's going to be a President Trump or a President Clinton. When that time comes, whoever is elected, they may not be our choice, but here's what we need to do. We need to pray for that person. Because what Peter is saying here, in fact, you look at verse 17, what does Peter say? He says, honor the king. Who is the king? Nero. You see, we live submissive lives even to rulers who are anti-God. And the reason why is because by our example and by our Christian character, we're going to win the lost to Christ. Submissive lives. Somebody's watching. For the, lot, for the sake of the lost. For the Lord's sake and for our own sake. I think I put this on your outline. There's a wonderful little quote that says, you're writing a gospel, a chapter each day. By deeds that you do, by words that you say. Men, read what you write, whether faithless or true. Say, what is the gospel according to you? Boy, how profound that is. Somebody reads your life. Somebody notices your life every single day. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for Your Word today. Man, Lord, I pray in my life that I can live a submissive life. And Lord, that You would be honored by it. Father, I pray even now that Lord, that Christians in America can realize every single day someone's watching, someone's looking. Lord, they're reading our lives. And Father, here in just a few months, we'll have an election. And Father, we know that no one in the White House is going to be perfect. But Father, I do pray this. I pray that the people of God can rise up and live such holy lives that God, we can change this world. Again, not from the White House, but Lord, as the people of God get their hearts right with You. Father, You're going to change this world and we'll have peace, not from the outside, but when the Prince of Peace rules and reigns in hearts. And Father, I pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all so much.